it's unprecedented that the world champion, or in fact anyone from a, from a top level, uh, withdraws mid-tournament and doesn't give a clear reason, especially. You know, we've seen things like health reasons, but we know that's not the reason why. Uh, Magnus didn't specify, but we, we do have some theories about this that have gone around. And yeah. Do you abide by any of the theories? Uh, what is your take on that overall? Well, I, I mean, the obviously the, the biggest theory is that uh, he left because he was worried that, that Hans has cheated in this event or in the past. Uh, of course, we can't say for sure if that's what what he meant, but uh, this is the most popular theory that's gone around, and I don't think that... That's looking like the insinuation. That seems to be... At least, if that's not the case, he hasn't cleared up that it isn't the case, right? Fabi, uh, the Singfield Cup is over. Um, this is uh, recorded after the last game, the one that finished between Hans and uh, Nipo. You took uh, third fourth place shared with Wesley. How do you feel about the tournament? Well, it was, the question is, do I feel, how do I feel about my tournament compared to the tournament? Because my tournament was pretty unspectacular, but the tournament itself was very spectacular. And I think the most interesting thing about it is that the players who made the most waves in the tournament aren't the players who finished in first place, tied. And we'll see tomorrow who is uh, who becomes the, the winner of the tournament because they'll play a playoff, uh, Ali Reza and Enyan. Uh, but the tournament was defined by Magnus's uh, dropping out and everything that came with that. Uh, it affected everyone's tournament, most positively, Jan. He, he, his loss was erased and, and that gave him a lot of momentum. And I was even expecting him to just win the whole thing outright today because he had a huge advantage against Hans. And, and it was clear already from the last few days that Hans was under some pressure. Uh, it showed in his play, so I, I thought that Jan would capitalize on that. But Hans pulled uh, pulled it together and uh, and defended. So we'll see probably what will be a very interesting playoff and un uh, unpredictable, unpredictable playoff. But yeah, the, the tournament was, was super interesting. Uh, I think everyone has their own story in it. All of the players have have a different story and, and will have a different... What was the biggest moment it. of uh, the tournament? Was that the I game mean, that we have right now? Yeah, in front it's, of us? it's the position on the board, the final position of Magnus with white against Hans Niemann, where Hans won with black. And the rest is history. Uh, everyone knows what happened after that. Magnus withdrew from the tournament the next game. His results were annulled because he only uh, played three games. He didn't go through half the tournament. And... Uh, and the tournament also, the rest of it was under this cloud of, of why did Magnus withdraw? Um, a lot of speculations, and uh, which kind of became a scandal because it's, it's unprecedented that the world champion, or in fact anyone from a, from a top level, uh, withdraws mid-tournament and doesn't give a clear reason, especially. Uh, you know, we've seen things like health reasons, but we know that's not the reason why. Uh, Magnus didn't specify, but we, we do have some theories about this that have gone around. And yeah. Do I, you abide by any of the theories? Uh, what is your take on that overall? Well, I, I mean, the, obviously the, the biggest theory is that uh, he left because he was worried that, that Hans has cheated in this event or in the past. Uh, of course, we can't say for sure if that's what, 
what he meant, but uh, this is the most popular theory that's gone around, and I don't think that... That's looking like the insinuation. That seems to be... At least, if that's not the case, he hasn't cleared up that it isn't the case, right? Uh, I don't think that Hans cheated in this tournament. I, I feel very strongly that he didn't. But a lot of revelations came out, and he himself said that he, in the past he was involved in some online cheating stuff. Um, this is, again, from, from his own interview yeah. that he gave, a very emotional uh, and by now very famous interview that he gave. Uh, but that, that's apart from the tournament. That's, that has nothing to do with the results of the tournament. That's just what happened in the aftermath of Magnus withdrawing. Did you feel affected by uh, that episode in any way? Well, my first uh, emotional reaction was um, was that a lot of sympathy for Hans, because uh, I mean, any sort of especially after his interview. Yeah, right? his interview was uh, seemed to be extremely heartfelt and convincing, and um, like there's two sides of this. I think one is that the cheating is such a huge problem in chess, and we have to recognize that. The other thing is that uh, you know accusations whether they're true or not, carry a huge amount of weight. And uh, and especially when it comes from someone who has a lot of influence in the chess world. Uh, okay, in this case, it's very complicated because uh, there is a history behind that, right, mm -hmm. which, which mm -hmm. we know about. So it's not like, it's not like this, these accusations came completely out of nowhere. Uh, but um, that they came in the middle of a tournament is, is something else. It's interesting that Magnus, do you think he knew about the accusations before? Because this was not public. The fact that Hans cheated on chess.com was not public. Now, there is ways in which you can probably infer from him using different accounts um, after his Twitch, let's say, ban, right, which was actually uh, caught live. But do you think Magnus knew about his cheating uh, accusations? And well, passed? I, I know he knew. I mean, he knew. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh I mean, like, you hear things, and uh, it is a small world, and, yeah. and things do get said and passed around. Uh, and the, the other thing is that, like, every strong player knows what a huge issue this is in online chess, you know, because it's so difficult to protect against, and there's, there used to not be so much incentive because there wasn't so much money involved, but now you have... Qualifications. You probably have more money than in real life chess, over the board chess. Nowadays. It's it's at least very similar. Very uh, similar, yeah. And it's much more accessible because, you know, traveling to tournaments or being invited to tournaments, it's it doesn't, um, you know, it's it's usually limited to a to a relatively small group of people, and uh, at least for the big money events. But while online chess is is open to everyone, so there's a lot of incentive now with all the money and uh, and it's also easy to do and difficult to catch. So, so this is a huge problem. I, I mean, I understand everyone's concerns with that. Uh, that whether or not the problem has like permeated into over the board chess, I, I really hope not because, uh, because that would be terrible, you know, especially if it's difficult to, to catch. And I suspect with like really, with a really good system, it might be, but um, it might also be difficult to implement. And uh, and I hope it hasn't really happened in 
you know, in a way that we haven't detected, right? Because there's been over-the-board cheating incidents which have been, um, which have been discovered, like let's say Rouse's, right? He was caught with the most like basic of cheating methods, which is just checking his phone in the bathroom, which is guaranteed to get caught at some point. Like you can get away with it for a few tournaments and then you'll get caught. I think this is basically what Nigalidze was doing as well. And he got caught in Abu Dhabi or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, there's a few players. I mean, one of the most famous examples was this Bulgarian player. Um, Borislav Ivanov. Yeah, Ivanov. And I, I don't even like, I don't, I don't know, think he, they caught him. They didn't like catch his method, but they, we decided that he's cheating. Right. <laughs> Because and just banned him, yeah, yeah, because he was so like so blatant about it uh, in his play, and and he also wasn't a strong player in the way that like this is the most dangerous way. Like, let's say a you know a top player has this idea, a twenty seven hundred plus guy has this idea, um, and then they're just unstoppable. That that's the main worry. Uh, so I, I understand the concerns. All right, let's speak about your tournament. You said it was a bit unusual as well. Take us uh, from round one all the way to round nine. Well, round <laughs> round one. Who did you play in round one? Um, oh my God, it's uh, it's been so long. And right. So much has happened. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell no, you. No, I, I I can remember. I played Ali Reza in round one, and I was in danger, and I drew. Yes. Uh, so that was a good start. Then I think the difficulties began for me because I spoiled a winning position. Uh, two winning two winning opportunities against Lanier. I lost to Wesley in um, a that was very a difficult game. game. That was a big game, yeah. And those two kind of defined my tournament because after that, I don't really feel like I had big chances to win. I did recover in a sense. I, I Let's won. speak about the critical moment in the game with Wesley in terms of uh, actual position and game moment. What yeah. was the critical moment? Well, it was a very long... Long game, so there was a lot of moments when things could have been improved on, and for periods of it, I defended rather well. I mean, I got out of into an unpleasant position from the opening, but there was like one move which really stands out to me as like uh, I don't even know what I was thinking. I played this move f5. I could have done something else, and my position was slightly worse, but not critically bad. And after f5, I basically just lost. That I had chances to survive later. I, I certainly had some chances. There were even moments when I felt like I would come out of it alive. Um, but he also at times played uh, played some brilliant um, technical chess. Uh, this F4 move like at the end in, in mutual time trouble was extremely strong, extremely impressive. Uh, so when he was like mathematically winning, he, he, he kind of let it slip a little bit at times, but he also found some, some great moves. But yeah, for me, it was just like this one move F5 destroyed the game. And um, after that, I think I played fine. Like uh, everything else after that, I can't complain about. You know, I, I scored. That was round three, right? Against yeah. Wesley, you started with minus one. Obviously, yeah. coming off of a couple of very difficult tournaments for you, um, psychologically at that point, it must be difficult, right? Starting off badly in a tournament of this nature. How did you recover from that? Well, it's not pleasant, but uh, I've I've gotten so used to losing games recently. <laughs> I wasn't even surprised. But he bounced back immediately. Huge victory. Yeah, that was, that was very important for me. I, uh, well, I, I got a very successful opening against Maxime. And it was a shaky game as well, but I, I pulled through in the end. That was very important. Yeah, it was a long game, and he was, he was drawing up till the end. Like, you know, a few minutes before it was, the game ended, mm. before he resigned, it was a, a theoretical draw. So that was huge. And... Um, did you, uh, because this was a big moment also in that Queen Anne game 
obviously it's not very easy to convert that one, but should be converted. And then you allow him to actually get an equal position, obviously still with only perfect moves. Um, but did you feel like your chances are slipping away when he found this idea with queen to c7? Well, first of all, I was upset that, because I was already thinking the game is over when my king is going to the queen side and trying mm -hmm. to starting to collect his pawns. And then he played, um, and then he found a way to get into two against uh, two pawns. Like he traded the queen side, yes. the king side pawns, and he lost his a pawn. And I knew that this is winning once white's king gets to b5. But I, I also knew that like this ending has huge drawish tendencies. If the king is not on b5, if white gets gets forced back, it's a draw. Yeah. Um, it's a surprising endgame, uh, but I I learned that this kind of endgame is a draw a few years ago, and. Um, so I knew I was in serious danger of not winning this if I was imprecise. And also, I had like four minutes. It, I, I, I was thinking it was like 50-50 at that point that I would actually be able to convert. And then I, I wasn't too surprised when my king got forced back a few moves later because I was imprecise and, and I had to start all over again. But I was at least happy that, you know, like Black has to continue defending. It's not like a one-time thing, you know. You, Black like beats off the first wave of, of White's attempts to win and then the king gets forced back and then I have another attempt to win. So it was never easy for him. Like the only thing that made it easier for him than for me was that he had a big time advantage, right? So that, that was, I think his main hope of surviving this very difficult end game. But um, he didn't find the best moves. And after that, um, the game against Mohamed Yarov seemed pretty theoretical, not that much covering that one. Same against Nepo. Um, yeah, I had these three games in a row. They were just non-games. They and were like, Levon, yeah. nothing happened in them. It was more or less theory up to a point when the result became clear, which was a draw in all, all of those cases. Um, and then I realized that I have one game left because <laughs> I don't, I'm not playing Magnus in the last round. I was supposed to, but, uh, but that game is, is nulled. So I had this last game against Hans, and I was like, I need to at least make some, some sort of attempt to... to make an impact in the tournament, whatever that may be. He started off with c4 and you replied e5, knight c3, bishop b4, knight d5, a5. That was more or less a sideline, which probably gives, let's say, the objective advantage uh, out of the opening to white. Was well, that a strategy? I mean, you know, we were checking in the morning and for about 10 seconds we checked a5. <laughs> like literally, I, I'm not, not exaggerating. It was about 10 seconds that we kind of discussed this move and that was the preparation for... Was for that the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. That was I thought it. that I, I went back to my hotel and then no, you no, started no. repeating a5 and whatnot. You no, because I was really convinced that he would start with e4, e4 on the first yeah. move. c4 came as a surprise. I understood that it was possible. That's why I decided on this line and, okay, I'll, I'll play it. It's a game in any case. And um, knew the very basic ideas about what I'm looking for. And, and then he, he played well b4. I mean, he knew the line. Well, maybe didn't know the line, but he had an idea of what to do in this line. Uh, B4 is correct, and uh, everything he did was correct. But then we got a complicated middle game, and, and things went a bit out of control for him. Absolutely. And when did you feel like you were completely taking over? You got some material advantage at some point, but it felt like he's sort of coming back into the game, or you made this, this decision of taking on D4 and setting uh, the game on a path towards the end game. How did you yeah. make that decision? No, I thought after Queen B4, I'm firmly in the driver's seat but it's also very complicated. And then he gave me a chance. I think it was a very smart, practical decision to play queen d2 by him uh, to go into endgame because like, I had little time and basically 
99% chance I think someone takes on D4 it's and a very goes tempting to decision. Yeah. It's just like you you have a either a position where you have no risk and like let's say 50% chance to win or maybe you have like 55% chance to win but you start to take on additional risk that things go out of control if you keep the queens on. So I, I just barely consider other moves besides queen D4. To me it was difficult not to do this. And we went into an endgame where I think it's it's very difficult to win. But then he like he was out of it for after that he he was playing too quickly in in the defense i mean he had like 30 minutes out of the new game i had one minute but he speak he, about that he th that that seemed a bit rash by him right he was just like making every move after like one minute max of thought he was trying to put a lot of pressure on your clock similar to what maxim did as well but maxim's position was a bit easier to handle were you surprised about his uh strategy no, I understood at some point he's blitzing me, and uh, it's a strategy, but the problem is that I don't really take on any risk in this endgame, so I don't have to, I'm not going to see any ghosts. There's no, there's no way to really scare black in this position because uh, there's no way that black can ever lose. Uh, so at some point you just need to sit down and make the tough decision to calculate and try to secure a draw rather than just blitzing because then, then he's in the same time situation as I am. He's playing with, you know, 30 seconds to one minute of move, and that's what I'm doing. Uh, then he's not use, utilizing his, his main advantage, which is the one on the clock, where he can use that time to, uh, to out-calculate me. Um, so that was just very impulsive, bad decision-making on his part. Let's talk about the standings in the Grandchester as well. Uh, we actually don't know them, but we think that you're going to get maybe fourth. Is that correct? I don't know 100%, but I... I okay, Ali Raza won. We know this 100%. I have a feeling that Wesley got second, Maxime got third, and I got fourth, and Jan got fifth. But after third, it doesn't actually matter. Uh, it's it's going to be very close between me and Jan. It's also very... We're very close to Maxime, but he, he gets that third place uh, spot because his lead coming into this tournament was so massive. Like, he had 10 more grand chess tour points than than Jan. There's no, like almost no way to make up 10 points in one tournament. Uh, so I, I think those will be the final standings. For uh, GST events for you this year, which one was your uh, favorite one? Uh, the Rapid and Blitz here. I uh, enjoyed quite a lot because I, I made some sort of comeback, which was nice. Um, I have to say like my, my best tournament was the Rapid and Blitz in Warsaw. Mm -hmm. I didn't do too well in Rapid, but in Blitz I, I Played one of my best events. I made plus ten, and um, plus ten. I made plus ten in blitz. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. But it it was somehow only enough for fourth place, <laughs> because, like, Duda Duda made a score that was like, on I mean not unprecedented but super good, and everyone else was close behind him. He only won by like half a point, and so it was like Vichy Levon. was in the running. Levon and and I were, were all in the running because we all had good tournaments, but. Um, just not good enough to win. Cool. Perfect. Well, Fabi, thank you for the recap. Great recap. Congrats on uh, the successful tournament. Plus one. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next video.